All right, all right, it's the Foghorn, and that means it is time for the Cavish Ships podcast, where we try and cut through the fog in the murk and shine a bit of light on naval and maritime issues of the day. I'm Chris Cavus. And I'm Chris Cervello. Coming up, it was a busy week, one in which we visited one of the Navy's smallest new ships and where we got a look at the beginnings of one of its largest. We'll dive deeper into all that, but first, a quick roundup of naval news around the world. A keel ceremony was held August 27th at Newport News Shipbuilding in Virginia for the aircraft carrier Enterprise CVN-80, third ship in the Gerald R. Ford CVN-78 class. The event marks the point in construction where major elements of the ship are brought together and erected in the graving dock where the carrier is being built. Construction of the ship actually has been going on for some years as components were being fabricated as far back as 2017. Olympians Katie Ledecky and Simone Biles are co-sponsors of the new E. A christening ceremony of a different sort was held August 23rd at the United States Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland, when officials informally named the Mariner the latest medium-sized unmanned surface vessel. Based on a standard commercial fast supply vessel design, the Mariner is fitted with systems to autonomously operate its propulsion and navigation systems. The Mariner is the third of four so-called Overlord USV prototypes. The vessel will head to Port Juanimi, California, where the Navy is building a $7.4 million facility as a base for unmanned surface and underwater vessels and systems. On a more ominous note, the U.S. Coast Guard cutter Oliver Henry was unable to obtain permission from the Solomon Islands government to make a visit to the capital of Aniara on Guadalcanal. The Guam-based Oliver Henry is on a routine illegal fishery patrol of the Southwest Pacific region. The U.S. Coast Guard asked for permission to visit the port, a routine stop on such patrols, but received no response. Social media reports indicate a similar situation recently confronted the British patrol vessel HMS Spey. China, in May, signed a security agreement with the Solomon Islands government, and the silent response to these routine requests seems to be a result. The Solomon Islands government so far has declined media requests for an explanation. In Europe, the Russian missile cruiser Marshal Ustinov passed through the Strait of Gibraltar on August 25th to leave the Mediterranean Sea, where it had been sent in February to cover the Russian invasion of Ukraine, along with its sister ship Varyag and Moskva. Moskva was sunk by Ukraine in the Black Sea, while Varyag and the Marshal Ustinov remained in the Mediterranean. The Ustinov was trailed by U.S. destroyers Cole and Bainbridge as it passed through Gibraltar, presumably headed back to its northern fleet headquarters in Murmansk. On the same day, August 25th, the aircraft carrier USS George H.W. Bush, cruiser Leyte Gulf, and destroyers Farragut and Truxton transited the Gibraltar Strait eastbound to enter the Mediterranean, where they'll relieve the Harry S. Truman Strike Group. It's the first time in quite some time that two U.S. carrier groups have been operating in the Med at the same time. The Truman Group deployed in early December from the U.S. East Coast, but due to the Russian invasion, spent the entire cruise operating around the central regions of the Med, including the Adriatic and Ionian Seas. U.S. Sixth Fleet in Europe also revealed this week that two of the Navy's four missile and special operations submarines were in the European theater. The Florida, near Crete in the Eastern Med, and the Georgia, near the Faroe Islands in the North Atlantic. The Florida-based littoral combat ship USS Sioux City 
called at Federica, Denmark, August 24th. The port is at one of the two entrances to the Baltic Sea, where the USS Kearsarge, Amphibious Ready Group, and destroyer Paul Ignatius have recently been operating. Sioux City left her home port of Mayport in April, and after two months of operating in the Persian Gulf and Central Command operating areas, have been in the European theater since the beginning of August. The cruise is the first Freedom-class deployment to the CENTCOM and UCOM command areas. And that's a look at just some of this week's Naval News. Okay, well, we're going to dive into several topics here. Um, it was an interesting week, as we just said. Uh, the Mariner USV, the Enterprise Carrier, we're going to talk about that. But uh, CNO Gilday made it, uh, yet another appearance, uh, this, this time at uh, Heritage Foundation on um, Thursday. August, what, August, uh, what's that, 25th. Um, again, he talked about a lack of capacity in the industrial base for why the Navy's not ordering more ships. Chris, uh, what was your read on on that? I'm not really sure what he's trying to say, Chris. I mean, we, we were talking about this, and th this is not me poking at the CNO or, or, or trying to be a jerk. Um, I, I truly don't know what he's after. Because my sense was when the CNO rolled out the recent um, navigation plan that, and you know, we, a couple of days after that, we had um, friend of the pod Brian McGrath on, and we, we talked about this, and we hit on this idea of a lack of capacity at the time. Then we went down and we toured um, a number of shipyards in the um, Gulf Coast, um, and we talked about that on the pods as well. But it it came up with with um, you know some of the shipyard leadership, and I'm not sure that they really understood what he was getting at because each and every one said, um, without poking at the Navy, they said, "Hey, we we can do more." Um, but we need a little bit more um, stability, and we need the Navy to commit to a uh, to a plan. So I'm not sure if the CNO is saying that um, he doesn't that he truly doesn't believe that industry can meet the needs of the Navy. If he doesn't believe that the Navy has been clear with industry and therefore they don't know where to make their the needed investments. Or if he's afraid to grow the fleet and it's the maintenance side that doesn't have um, uh, capacity, or if it's some combination of all three. Either way, every time he does one of these um, events, I would say, you know, 80% is sort of ho-hum, it's the same thing. And then there's this 20% of kind of confusion where he doesn't really clarify himself and he makes things, you know, less clear. So that's what I took away from uh, Heritage. And that's what I took away from that specific point um, that he was asked about by um, our friend at USNI. Um, Mallory and I, what's Mallory's last name? Mallory Shelbourne. Uh, he was asked by our friend Mallory Shelbourne at USNI. And I, I have to admit, I, I didn't watch it. Um, I didn't watch the event. Darn it all. I was out in the real world doing real stuff. So I didn't have time to sit down and watch this event, but um, I, I am reading Mallory's story right here. Um, she quotes Gilday. We have an industrial capacity that's limited. In other words, we can only get so many ships off the production line a year. My goal would be to optimize those production lines for destroyers, frigates, amphibious ships. But he says that that he wants three destroyers a year. We need to give we need to give a signal to industry that we need to get to three destroyers a year instead of one and a half, and we need to maintain two subs a year. This is what this, I'm quoting the CNO now. So he says. So part of this is we need to give them industry a clear set, a clear aim point. So they can plan a workforce and infrastructure. Industry doesn't plan 
a whole lot ahead if they have to spend a whole lot of money to set a lot of things up and then the demand doesn't get there. Shipbuilding is incredibly expensive. The margins are actually pretty darn poor as for a, for a business to be in, um, you know, single digits, eight, nine percent is, is, is usually the, the, the kind of margin that you're going to, even at best, you're going to find in shipbuilding. I remember I, you know, years and years ago, I worked for a company that was owned by Jack Welch. And, and if you didn't, if you didn't turn in at least double digit profits every quarter, they would scuttle the whole operation. So it's a, it, it is a tough business and you're not going to make these investments without the business being there. So you, you can't keep saying, you know, if I can't order any more ships because you don't have enough to do it, dude, you order the ships, they'll put it there. And we saw, I'm sorry, you know, with our eyes, the old Mark 1A, you know, check, reality check here. We saw serious capacity down on the Gulf Coast. Um, Ingalls is a sprawling shipyard that is a high capacity, high production rate shipyard. They could be building three destroyers a year now, now. And I'm, I'm telling you, CNO, if, if you know, every time you put these, these stories out about we need to get to that, it's like you're there, order them. Um, they're, they have a whole line of work that's coming to an end. The Coast Guard's National Security Cutter, that's ending. Slip in a destroyer. They got it. It's there. Now, there are other bottlenecks. The, their, their chief competitor for destroyers, Bath Ironworks, is still struggling to get, get its rate of production back up. Um, I, I'm not dumping on Bath. It's, a, it's well known that they've had a lot of problems. But they are getting better, but they're nowhere near yet. And the yards are not equal. They're just simply not equal. And if politically, you're always going to tie your hand behind your back and discussing this because I have to always pretend that they're the equal, we're not, we're not going to get anywhere at all. We're, we're, we're just slowing it down. Um, there are bottlenecks in production with components. There's only so many companies that make reduction gear, for, for example, when um, pretty key component in, uh, in, in building high speed ships. There are only, there's only you know, Raytheon and Lockheed can probably only pump out so many Aegis combat systems and spy six radars a year. That's a bottleneck, but it doesn't matter. There's always going to be a bottleneck. You're always going to be able to parse this apart. But if, if you're not ordering it, if you keep saying I'm not ordering it because the capacity is not there, darn it all. We saw some serious capacity. Austell has a huge, new steel panel line production facility that would rival anybody's yard um i just yeah. you know there's this constant stream about we don't have the capacity in what way parse that out get specific if you're going to talk about this in broad strokes i'm sorry we we've seen something else entirely that's but not that's not his problem right i mean it, it is and it isn't but i mean he's not in charge of you know, the industrial base. I mean, his job is to tell the Secretary of Defense and the Congress how many ships the United right. States Navy needs right. and, and let industry figure it out. And, and I mean, I I mean, not to be, you know, too cute, but I really feel like if you build it, they will come, right? Yeah. If you communicate it, they will come. If, if, if you, you put your money where your mouth, I, I would love to get to a problem, uh, to a space where the Navy and the Congress want to buy ships and industry is, is struggling to keep up, but we ain't there yet. So like what this whole thing is just, it, it just adds to the confusion. It, it does. And I, you know, we're going around and around in circles here, but if the reason you're not ordering more ships is because you don't think the industrial capacity is out there, 
that's not it. That's just simply not it. There are other reasons why you're not doing it. And that's a cover. All right. Well, round and around and around that discussion goes, <laughs> it just goes on and on. Um, I went to a couple uh, interesting little events this week. Um, well, one was one was little, one was one was less than little. Um, middle of the week, I went out to the Naval Academy in Annapolis, where they had um, um, PMS four hundred six and NAVC Office of uh, Unmanned Ships and Small Combatants. Um, had a little presentation for their new, their latest unmanned vessel, the Mariner. This is one of the Ghost Fleet ships, Overlord ships that uh, they're 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 dubbed. It's a smallish, smallish, medium-sized uh, vessel. It's based on a commercial design, fast, uh, fast support vessels, crew boats that are all over the Gulf Coast, high-performance boats with a, a large payload area, big flat deck aft. You can put all kinds of stuff on. Uh, they're very handy. Um, there's two already in operation, and this was the, the Ranger and the Nomad were both out at Rimpac, as a matter of fact, in the Pacific in July, and uh, this is the third of four. It's very similar to the Ranger. There's another one coming that's actually being built at, um, at Austell with an L3 Harris system. So it was a nice event. Um, it it's unusual that one of those boats would is on the East Coast. They brought it up here. It's, it's built in Louisiana. They brought it up here to show off, you know, DVs, distinguished visitors, Congress especially, come out and see this. Um, you know, there's all these questions about the efficacy of unmanned systems, especially in terms of reliability. Um, it's also a good chance to show, frankly, the mids of the academy, since we're all talking about this is your future. And, uh, and it was a little media event as well. Had media come over and say, here's our boat. Let's take a tour, take some pictures. All very friendly. Um, and now it's going to leave and go back to uh, go out to California at Port Winini. Um, Chris, you've never seen one of these, have you? I haven't. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, I mean, I've seen pictures of it and I've, I've read stories. Um, would love to, you know, be able to get out to Port Wanimi and see, um, you know, a few of them together and really understand more about the CONOPS and, and how they, you know, how these can work together. Um, and, and, you know, hopefully when they do kind of the hot wash from RIMPAC, maybe we'll hear a little bit more about how effective they, uh, they they were working together, but I mean th this is exciting. You know, you know when you talk about um, these types of ships, when you talk about you know some of the other um, unmanned, uncrewed efforts that you're starting to see, um, you know we're starting to put some things together where maybe it's not as pie in the sky as we had originally thought, or at right. least as I had originally thought. No, it's it, it's it's tangible. I think that was one of the reasons they brought this around was to let people walk, actually walk the decks of it and uh, see some of these systems. They didn't operate the system for anybody, um, but they let people, you know, go around and say, you know, here's a, here's a box, here's a gizmo on this pump and stuff. And it regulates things. And here's the redundancy we've built in, you know, especially down, like down, down in the engine room, you've got lube oil, for example, you got lube there. Here's a, here's a lube oil pump over here. Well, on this ship, because we want it to operate with nobody on board, there's redundancy. So there's three lube oil pumps right here instead of just one. A um, lot of cabling has been put in to take a, take a connex boxes up top on the, on the payload deck uh, for whatever you want to put in, in, which by the way, it includes weapons. So you can, they've launched 
and SM6 off um, off one in uh, in off California, they can put, believe it or not, up to 32 SM6s on this boat. Obviously, there's no targeting. Obviously, there's it's it's a, you know it's an it's a it's an offboard asset uh, that has to be controlled some uh, from somewhere else. That was during the fleet X, right? Where they had, I mean, a number of ships that sort of worked together to both target and shoot. I mean, that was a big event for the the, the yep. Navy and hopefully the bad guys were, were uh, paying attention because it, it was a major step forward. I think the bad guys were definitely, definitely paying attention. There's no question. Um, so that was a nice event. And, and the, the office was coming out, the, the, the PMS 406, and they were having a little ceremony where they unofficially named the ship. This is a service vessel. It's not a commissioned U.S. Navy ship. So even the name is really unofficial. But um, they were having a nice little um, um, ceremony. The previous head of uh, of the unit, um, Captain Pete Small, uh, his his wife uh, was the, was the sponsor. So they were going to have a little little unofficial christening ceremony, and um, that's that's nice. That's that's okay. Let them have. It was nice to see people in a good mood and having fun for a while. Um, and then then uh, a couple of days later, I went down to Newport News. Um, as we said, there was a big keel ceremony for the ship. It was Saturday, the twenty seventh. I was down there. They had a, a media event the the day before. So I was down there without the band playing and without without the speeches and, and most of the bunting wasn't wasn't up yet, but um, it was it was it was a nice event in that you know you're you down to see the shipyard. I hadn't been inside the shipyard for a few years, um, not even that long, maybe three and a half. But um, the growth that I saw primarily for the Columbia class submarine program but also but that the yard is doing for infrastructure was phenomenal i mean the, the the size of the buildings and the number of buildings that have gone up on the west end of the yard where there used to be this vast parking lot the vast parking lot is long gone and covered up with a vast complex of large buildings that were dedicated to mostly to columbia but also a couple of new buildings for the for the carrier program and it won't be just the Columbia. They'll also, there's also stuff in there. They'll be doing manufacturing for continued production of the Virginia class attack submarines as well. But pretty impressive. And that wasn't even the port, the 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 point of the tour. The the tour was pretty outside the yard. Didn't go through everything, but um, by any means. Um, but you did give a sense that of the scale of investment that the company continues to make. Um, and they've been, it's um, both, I mean, Ingalls is investing heavily in both of their main shipyards, Ingalls, I mean, Huntington Ingalls, I should say, HII. Uh, the Ingalls yard is down, down in, in uh, Pascoula. They've had about a billion dollars in improvements over the last five years. I don't know what the figure is, but it's, it can't be that far off for Newport News either. Newport News, of course, is the yard that specializes only in nuclear ship construction. So submarines and um, aircraft carriers, they're the only yard that builds aircraft carriers. Um, they build the 774s of Virginia class with electric boat in um, uh, Groton, Connecticut and Quonset Point. But um, pretty darn impressive. There was actually um, an O section, a section of the pressure hull sitting outside um, and it was not the focus of attention for people, but I saw this cool looking thing over here and what's that over? 
said, is that, that, that that's not by any chance a piece of a submarine, is it? And they said, oh, yeah, that's that's a Columbia. So um, doggone it, I've actually seen a piece of the Columbia now, as well as seen a piece of the next Enterprise, CVN-80. Um, used a busy to, week for you. Used to do some of these these um, these these media events too. You you've been yeah all the DV tours you've been on. Um, you think they're worthwhile? I, I definitely do. Sort of three different audiences for them, right? One was you would go with senior leaders, and it was good for them to kind of go from the PowerPoint to actually seeing stuff for themselves to get the complexity and understand what things were when people talked about it. Most of the flag officers that I worked for would try to do that prior to going over to the Hill. So before testimony season, they would make sure they would go and hit these big programs um, so that they could uh, speak credibly and thoughtfully about what they saw. Um, you know, the second was what you uh, got to participate in, and that was for the media and really the same sort of thing, right? I mean, the you know, we we're constantly talking to the media about this technology. It's really important for them to get out there and see it themselves, um, you know, and in many cases, problems that they have written about for months or years um, become a lot more clear uh, and, you know, either A, are, are not as big a deal as maybe folks would have written about, or uh, B, they get a sense of the complexity and the issues that the, our sailors and the uh, industry is working through. And then the third is really for the public, right? Whenever you do these types of things, which I would put kind of the christening and the commissionings in, you know, sort of the larger group, that's kind of esprit de corps. And I mean, there's nothing cooler than going to a ship commissioning um, if you know, for the public, because I mean, you get to see like, I mean, I mean, you want to feel good about being an American, go to an aircraft carrier commissioning uh, ceremony and look what, you know, thousands of shipbuilders with their hands put right. together and, you know, what this ship is going to do on behalf of the United States. So, yeah, I, I think these events are great. In fact, I, I wish they would do more of them, especially like when you talk about these small events, uh, you know, good on NAVSI for right. taking what could have been just sort of a ho-hum type thing. And, and you, you know, especially after two years of the pandemic, getting uh, media and influencers out there to, right. to see it and walk around. It's so important to be up for them to tell their story that way. You know, a couple other not so tangible elements of the visit to Newport News. Uh, they want they want to tout that this is the first all digital carrier. There's no it's all no hand drawings of this, completely all digitally designed from the outset, and this makes a major difference all up and down the line in the life of the ship as well. But during construction, um, they had a had a young um, apprentice. Um, apprentice pipe fitter come out to talk to you know talk to folks and show um, show what she uses every day to go out and do her job. So she's got a pretty pretty robust laptop, and it was it was clearly clearly the laptop she uses every day because it was dirty, it was dusty, it would be banged around, and that was actually that, that was sort of part of the point is that you know this is robust, it can take on take a lick in here, and it still runs. And she calls up all the all the drawings and the isometrics of the ships, and it's all animated and and curled, you know, turning around. And you know, the the managers have to download each each employee's work schedule, but it, it's a ton of work to set up. It's an immense amount of work to set up. But once it gets set up, boy, it really rolls. And and you know, you get just there's so much more efficiency on the back end of this now. Now this stuff is really flowing. In terms of information, 
and um, clearly it was just a better way all around to, 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 to build a ship and every, every employee, every, every worker comes in all the ship or shipbuilders come in every day and they, they actually, they, they, they go online and download the, download the day's work or the week's work or whatever it is. Pretty good stuff. Pretty good stuff. Fun to see it. And um, the young woman they had out there, I mean, obviously the company, you know, didn't, didn't take their, their uh, scuzziest and most dodgy people and put them out there, but she was, she was, she was, she was pretty impressive. And she was a year and a half in the apprentice program. Um, clearly was, 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 was into it. And, you know, sometimes as an old fart, you know, it's kind of nice to see young people who seem to really like what they're doing and, um, and, and, and even, uh, you know, appreciate the opportunities here. Pretty good stuff. Um, it's great. You know, she'll always have a job. That's, that's <laughs> true. She'll always have a darn good job as a matter of fact. Um, all right, before we go, I'll just, I'll, I'll have one couple more silly comments. Um, I, a lot of you might know that, um, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a previous life, I was, uh, uh, I used to be a TV director and, um, so I used to sit around and tell everybody what to do and make, 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 make TV shows and stuff like that. So plus even before that, I used to be a, um, kind of a rock and roll hero playing in bands back in my younger days. Um, so I make a fool of myself in front of lots of people, which I still, I can't seem to shake that habit. Um, yeah. Uh, but 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 uh, some sometimes there's sort of a sense of of presentation comes out and it doesn't make mean that uh, you have to spend a whole lot setting up a show uh, money and and um, att different attributes to set up a show but sometimes you just think these things through and this isn't meant as a as a criticism of anybody involved here because I, I very much appreciate the opportunity to to do these things and go out and see these, see, see these events, but sometime, and, and by the way, people are definitely out of the habit of hosting crowds now. And um, a lot of lessons, lessons forgotten have to be learned again. Um, it might've been nice at the smaller event to see the boat. Um, they wanted everybody to, at the Mariner event in Annapolis, they had the ship pier side on the seawall and um it was okay, except that they want and they wanted everybody to take pictures. Please take pictures of our cool boat, and everybody's more than happy to do that. And they're all over the place now. But the boat's tied up. Um, there were several cars, big vans, um, uh, SUVs parked in front of it with cones, so we could all see them, and um, you know, a nice desk with a um, awning because it's always hot. Um, set up that kind of kind of marred the ship could have just you know move move the move the awning uh, away from the boat um tell the muckety mucks not to park there and that means you too admiral um you're not you know you know park your car over here it's you know tell your tell your people to park the car over there get it out of the picture um even better they could have moved the ship off um, and just moved out in, into the Severn River there and uh, done a little pirouette. It's got water jets. It's, it's, it's uh, three, three bow thrusters. It can pirouette. Would have been nice to move, just you know, cast off lines and move out 100 yards and pirouette for everybody. Make, make pretty pictures. This used to be this, this kind of thing people used to do without even thinking. But that's sort of you know, a little bit of showmanship, a little bit of presentation. Um, would have would have been really simple to do not to mention 
if you're going to bring Congress out to see the ship, it's one thing to walk on board. I've never been on board with these. Said said all the all the staffers, all the Congress critters. That's true. But don't just point to this gizmo and say this does that. Let them actually see it. Take them out. Have a little have a little demonstration. Forty minutes. Cast off. Go out into the bay. It's right there. Um, tool around for a little bit. Put the systems in operation. Say, look, Ma, no hands. And even something that simple, that short, well, you just, all these people now get to say, I saw this in operation. I actually saw it. Um, that would have sealed the deal. I mean, it will at least help. At least if I was directing that show, that's what I would have done. The other thing was about Newport News. So this is a vast yard. As anybody who's been, who's even sailed by or driven by the Newport News shipbuilding um, facility knows, it's it's over a mile long. It's huge. Um, and the graving dock where they build the aircraft carriers is all the way at the west end of the shipyard. And at the other end of the yard, the east end, uh, there's a couple. It, it it's was traditionally the fitting out piers. Um, but all the way at the bottom of the yard now, sitting forlornly, is Biggie herself, CVN-65, the USS Enterprise. Um, Navy still hasn't figured out just exactly how they're going to dispose of her. She was decommissioned years ago, stripped. Um, it's a mess inside. Uh, de Defueled of the, the reactor fuel is, 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 uh, is gone. Um, it's going to cost a, probably close to a billion dollars to dispose of this ship just to just to dispose of it that's just a that's a, that's a bill you're going to have to pay at some point nobody wants to pay it so they're still putting off the decision on how to dispose of it and meanwhile she just sits there just in board of her however is the is the USS John F Kennedy CVN 79 the second ship in the Gerald R Ford class which has already been launched it's fitting fitting out it looks like a real aircraft carrier the pile of material that at the moment represents CVN-80, the new enterprise, um, doesn't look like much to a lot of people. Some of us weird people look at it and go like, oh, wow, those are foundations for the main machinery propulsion. Okay, that's fine. But for most people, it's like, I don't even, doesn't even look like a boat. Um, it might've been nice to, and you got to get naval nuclear reactors to pass on this stuff to okay it. NR, um, N, N for no, um, usually, and might have been a good idea for the for the media, for the DVs, or everybody else. You get on the bus, you go go down there, take everybody down to the bottom of the yard, let everybody see the the last Enterprise, one of the most famous Navy ships ever, famous Navy ship names ever. There's the old Enterprise. Too bad, but we're going to build a new one. And by the way, it's going to look just like this, the John F. Kennedy which is still under construction and looks very much like an aircraft carrier. And then keep on driving, go all the way to the other end of the yard. And now you have a better idea what you're looking at. You, do, you just link the new enterprise with the old enterprise and you get every, give everybody a good sense of what it's going to look like. If I was directing that show, see, that's what I would have done. Nobody asked. I know it's good feedback for him and it helps tell the story a little bit better. So I, I, you know, I, I think people will, uh, will take some of that on board. Some people will say you're just being crabby, but others will see it for the spirit that it is. 
Oh, well, I hope so. But hey, Krabby is what I do. So <laughs> cranky, cranky. Anyway, okay. Now hear this. Now hear this. All right. You know what that means. It's time for Squawk Box. This week, Mr. Cavus talks about autonomy. Thanks, Chris. So earlier this month, during our visit to Austral USA's shipyard in Mobile, Alabama, we heard a lot about their latest expeditionary fast transport, the Apalachicola. Outwardly, it looks pretty much the same as the 12 Spearhead-class ships that preceded it. But inside, it has some surprisingly unique features. The ship has been fitted with an extensive system developed by L3 Harris and Austal to give the ship an autonomous capability, the ability to operate unmanned with no humans on board. The Apalachicola has been undergoing a series of sea trials to demonstrate and validate its autonomous features, all installed because of a one-time congressional plus-up of about $70 million. We were not able to tour the ship during the visit simply because of timing. She was out on another sea trial during our visit. That sea trial extending as far off as southern Florida, a significant location because the ship would be operating in a high-traffic area that would test its autonomous navigation facilities. From the reports we've heard, the system has been performing well, and the Apalachicola, as I speak, is the largest unmanned ship in the Western Hemisphere by far. But apparently, that status won't last long. The ship is to be delivered to the Military Sealift Command before the end of September, and the unmanned installation will be removed, as the Navy has no requirement for it. Well, that seems like an inordinate and deeply short-sighted decision. Apalachicola is several times bigger and more sophisticated than the much-touted unmanned installations on the vaunted Ghost Fleet. The ship is much larger than the Mariner unmanned service ship we just saw, which is a smallish vessel of about 673 metric tons full load. Apalachicola, by contrast, is nearly 2,500 tons, four times the size. The Mariner is classed by the Navy as a medium USV, while the Apalachicola very much is a large unmanned surface ship. It's true, the Navy did not ask for this demonstration, and L3 Harris and Austell are hoping the service is impressed with their system, which actually they already are, as the fourth Ghost Fleet USV now under contract by the Navy is being built by Austell with L3 Harris's autonomous system. There's a lot the Navy's doing with its medium USVs. It would seem there's a lot more they could be doing with this existing paid-for large ship. To hear all the rhetoric from service leaders, unmanned ships like this, the Apalachicola, not the smaller ships, will play significant roles in the future U.S. Navy fleet. There's still time to halt the removal of the autonomous systems before the Apalachicola is delivered to become just another logistics ship. Those systems should stay in place, and the ship added to the unmanned development squadron based at Port Wanimi, California. Here, here. Well, that does it for this week. As always, our thanks go out to Vaga Maradian and the Defense and Aerospace Group for their support. Be sure to follow us at Cavus Ships on Twitter. And remember, this podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, and Spotify. I'm Chris Cervello. And I'm Chris Cavus. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye. Bye.